Okay, yeah, guys, you okay? Well done for coming on a Sunday evening. So who was here, yes, um, not yesterday, <laughs> last week? Awesome, awesome. So what was the topic? I heard margins, but that wasn't what it was. It was called what? Awesome. And today I'm going to speak to you about margin people. So last week, we essentially started our series called No Margins, and we're going to go with the analogy of margins. Margin people is essentially those people that you actually avoid, those people that you, you do not interact with and you don't do life with. And in my school, so I went to school in Bromley, Kent. I went to school in Hayes. Uh, my school was um, predominantly white, and it was 5% black. And um, I remember literally what used to happen is that there was, there was a table. So because it was only 5% black, all the black people used to um, hang out with um, one another. Um, and you could only obviously sit on the table um, if, you were, if you were black. But however, some people who were white but grew up in a black area were the ones who, who sat on the table as well. And something that used to happen um, that really used to um, frustrate me is that I would spend half of my lunchtime with my white friends and then half of my lunchtime with my black friends. And what I tried to do is tr I tried to mix everyone together. <laughs> Amen. Yes, I tried to mix everyone together, but there was various times that I was not successful. And the church of this nation um, has a very interesting um, history. So decades ago, when ethnic minorities would come to this nation, um, the church was not known for actually including those from another form of background. And as a result, we saw a rise in Nigerian churches, we saw a rise in Ghanaian churches, in Indian churches, in Chinese churches, and so on. And, this, and the church of this nation, that even though it was plagued, um, by racism, we've seen that it has very much developed and we've seen so much inclusivity now. But however, something that has been arising, I feel that is a new epidemic, especially in the church of today, is something called indifference. Where essentially, it's not that we um, hate people from a different race than us or people from a different class or religion or background, but we're just indifferent. And there's actually um, a philosophy that says, like attracts like. So essentially, it goes like this. You hang out with people that look like you, or you hang out with people that have similar interests with you. So people who are a similar race, class, religion, gender, and political stance, especially on Brexit. And even though that this is a narrative that today's culture really adheres to, it is not biblical. And as we can see, especially in scripture, Jesus Christ did everything and so many things, especially with his apostles, to jump over those social contexts, to jump over those social barriers. And in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, let's just turn to there. When you're there, say amen. You guys are quiet. Okay, when you're there, say amen. Okay, awesome. So Galatians 3, verse 28, it says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is male and female, 
for you are all one in Christ. So this is what the Bible says. It says there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor male and female, for you are all one in Christ. So essentially this scripture says that when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, when it comes to our faith, when it comes to Christianity, we are all included. There's opportunities for all of us to join the body of Christ. There's opportunities for us to join this community. And even though perhaps, you know, we might believe this, and especially how um, God said, I want a descendant, I want an offspring of all nations. We believe in this inclusive gospel. How come, why is it that the lives we live is, sorry, why is it that the lives we live is exclusive? Where we only hang around the people that perhaps, like I said before, that are from the same race, same age, same gender, same class, a political stance. And some of us perhaps, like I know um, some friends of mine in particular, or maybe you're here uh, right now just thinking, but Wale, if I'm being honest, like they are, they're just not my people. My work colleagues, they're not my people. You know, the people who I study with, they're just not my people. Even my family members, they don't truly understand me. They're just not my people. But as we can see, if we look at the story and if we look at the narrative of Jesus, this was the opposite of how he acted. And there's a story of a church leader that basically asks another church leader, and he, and he said, I love your church. Your church is so inclusive. You have so many people of different races. You have so many people of different um, ages. Um, you know, there's, there's opportunity for both male and female to get involved, and even your your, your church is a church that because it includes a range of people, you have influence in so many different sectors of this society. And he asked the church leader, how can I get my church to look like yours? And this church leader responded and he said, it's by your dining table. It's by the people you do life with. And my encouragement is, is who are we having around our dining table? Who are we doing life with if we truly believe that this gospel is for everyone? On that note, I'd like us to turn to John 4. When you're there, say amen. Okay, so John 4. So we're going to read out quite a bit of scripture because the Bible's good. So let's start. So it's now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back, and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to the town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob, and given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired as he was, from the, as he was from the journey. Sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Then the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, 
and he would give you living water. So the women said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our fathers Jacob, who gave the well and drank it from himself, as, as also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The women said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I can get thirsty, so I won't get thirsty and have to keep here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you have had five husbands, and the man that you are now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the women said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on his mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Women, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will come, when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming now when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his true worshippers must worship in spirit and truth. We're almost there. Then the women said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one who is speaking to you, I am here. 27. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked him, what do you want or why you're talking with her? Okay, let's skip to verse 39. So as a result of this interaction that Jesus has had with the women, the Bible says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the women's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said, they said to the women, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man is really the savior of the world. And in John 4, the conclusion of this story is that a whole group of people, a whole town was saved just because Jesus spoke to a Samaritan woman. And if you know with this story in particular, it's that with this Samaritan woman, you know, Jews and Samaritans did not hang out. They did not interact. First of all, she was someone who was from a different racial group. And second of all, Jesus was a male and she was a female. And even this lady, she came um, at noon. So she was, normally you would go and collect water very, um, very early on in the day. But she did it at noon in order to escape people, in order for people not to see her. And here is Jesus coming to, to the women and saying that, will you give me a drink? Essentially, Jesus humbled himself and did not act like he, he's a Jew, he's, he's a male, he's superior, but he said, would you give me a drink? And after this conversation, this lady finally realized that what I've been looking for is in Jesus. I've been looking for a relationship in Jesus. And the Bible says, as I mentioned before, 
that many in that town believed because of the woman's testimony. But it all started just because Jesus stepped out of his social context, took a step over those social barriers to connect with someone. And then Peter says in Acts 10 verse 34, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him, but does what is right. So this is what Jesus and the apostles literally did. They took steps to connect with people from a different gender. They spoke in places and prayed for the needs of people in a different country and ethnic group. They spent time with people and entered the houses of those who had a different theological and sexual context, just so more people can experience the good news of Jesus Christ. And if this is what Jesus did, and if this is what the early apostles did to expand the church, to know, in order for people to know this great love of Jesus, my question is, is whether we are doing the same. Whether we are the type of people who would step over our social context to connect with people so they can know the good news of Jesus. And if I'm being honest, like my friend, um, my friend was speaking to me and um, I kind of just mentioned this topic to him. And he said to me, you know, um, he is, he's been in a relationship um, with his girlfriend for a long time. And he's a Christian, he really loves God. But he says, well, like, if I'm being honest, I find it really hard to relate to people or to connect with people that have a liberal view of sex and sexuality. And he said he really finds it hard. And he says, if I'm being honest, that my heart towards them is not God's heart for them. And if we know this, um, the scenario of the adulterous women where a lady came out, like the Pharisees brought this lady out and said that this lady has committed adultery and our law says that we should stone her. And Jesus responded and said that if you have not sinned, um, anyone who has not sinned, throw the first stone. And this group of people who surrounded her, almost about to throw this stone, one by one they had to go back because they've all sinned. And Jesus knelt down beside her and said that no one condemns you, go and sin no more. And Jesus rescued that woman because of his kindness. And the Bible says that, you know, it's his kindness that brings us to repentance. And what I love so much about the heart of, of God, of, uh, what I love so much about Jesus Christ in, in particular, is that he is a person who literally preached um, on the mountain. And he said that, he, he basically said that if you commit, um, even if you look at someone lustfully, you've already committed adultery. He's someone who elevated the level of sexual ethics. But he's the same person who can kneel down with an adulterous woman, show her mercy, and say, go and sin no more. And in that instant, Jesus is able to show 100% conviction to his morals, but 100% compassion. And as those who call ourselves Christians, we are called to do the same. And someone, I've mentioned it before, but someone who really um, inspires me in this particular instance is my mom. I remember when I was a kid and um, my mom, there was an old, old British lady that lived um, across us. And my mom literally made us adopt her into our family. 
and we had to call her Grandma Christina. And literally what would happen is that any time, um, so my mom would work long hours and she would literally come back at 11 and uh, my sisters and I will look outside the window and we'll see that mom's car is in the um, driveway, but she's, she's not home. And my dad would be like, oh, don't worry, she's at Grandma Christina's house. And my mom would spend hours just loving this lady, a lady who is uh, severely um, older than her and also a lady that is from a different um, background as her as well. And she'll spend hours with her. And I remember even um, sometimes with my birthday, um, with my birthday parties, my mom will say, make sure you save a cake for Grandma Christina. Make sure you go to her house, give her the cake, and make sure you give her a kiss. I'm like, mom, she's actually not my grandma. She's like, be quiet. <laughs> uh, but that used to happen um, time and time again. And I remember there was one particular night uh, where my mom went to Grandma Christina's house. And she said, um, Grandma Christina, um, that basically, Grandma Christina always knew that she was a Christian. She always knew that she loved Jesus. And Grandma Christina asked her that, do you think I'm going to go to heaven? And my mom asked her and said, well, do you know Jesus? And she said, well, I know you've always told me about him, but can't I just be a good person? And she said, it's not about being a good person. Because if it is about being a good person, we've all failed, we've all messed up at some point. It's about that Jesus Christ took your sins and through believing in him, you can have eternal life, that you can have life after this, after this life. And afterwards, um, my mom left and she prayed with Grandma Christina. And she left and the next day she found out that Grandma Christina had died. And I remember uh, my mom was very emotional. She was crying. Um, and I remember um, speaking to her personally. And she was just saying to me, she said, thank God I went to go and speak to her that night. And my mom said honestly that she was exhausted, that she was so tired, but she really just felt like the Holy Spirit, that God internally was speaking inside of, uh, speaking, um, was speaking to her, saying, go and speak to Grandma Christina. Go and spend some time with her. And my prayer is that, that, that she did actually say yes to Jesus. But I just feel like it's a beautiful example of someone who stepped over their social context to connect with a person so they can know the love of God. And um, many of you guys will know that I have just come back from Leicester. So I've moved down from Leicester, Leader Infant Church Leicester, to Lead Infant London. And I am still adjusting. I love London, but I do not love the price of TFL. And it is really paining me. I'm not used to seeing that many minuses in my accounts, but, you know, God will help me. And I've moved to Croydon, which is the capital of London. Amen. 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 Capital. I've said it live. Okay. Capital of London. Okay. You know, let, let everyone hear. Okay. Yes. But anyway, um, in my time in Leicester, so um, I was living in an apartment complex and every day there was a lady, there was a cleaner who would clean like the elevators, who would clean um, the hallways and stuff like that. And I'm normally always in a rush, like I always have somewhere to go. So I think I was going for a meeting and I literally um, ran out, um, I pressed the elevator um, and I went down the elevator and I was literally just running out um, and I passed the cleaner. And as I passed her and went um, through the doors, I just heard um, the Holy Spirit speak to me and say that Jesus would have known her name. 
And I was thinking, this is a person that I pass every single day, but I'm just indifferent towards, that I don't even acknowledge, that I don't even know her name. And I just feel like there's some of us who work with people, and we're just indifferent. We're like, do you know what? They're cute. They're not really my people, but, you know, it is what it is. Or maybe we study with people like that in our lectures, and we don't actually spend time to get to know them. And my prayer is, is that we will actually, well, as bluntly as I can say it, stop that. Because it's not what Jesus, it's not who Jesus is, and it's not what he would have done. And this is the same Jesus that would spend time with people intimately. People that who wanted miracles, who wanted healings. And as Christians, we can spend time with those people. And I'll just share one more example. I remember um, I was playing basketball. And um, this was also in Leicester. I was playing basketball. And um, I saw um, this like South Korean guy. And I really just felt like led to speak to him. So I was speaking to him. Um, and we just got into a conversation um, about faith um, and just about life and about music. And we're just talking. And, and he was such a great guy. And we just really got on. And I really just felt like God was saying, um, invite him out for coffee later today. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I just, I just got to know him. Like, let me not be too pushy. But it was really just on my heart. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, let me just do it. So I invited him out for coffee. And I invited some of my friends as well. And we're just getting to know him. And we're all speaking. And then after the coffee, he said to me, um, now I asked him, oh, what are you going to do for the rest of today? And I was like, I'm just going to eat some cake. I was like, what? Um, and I was like, why are you just going to eat some, um, you're just going to eat some cake? And then, um, again, um, I felt like God was like, hang out with him this evening. And I was like, oh. Like, this is too much. Someone that I've just, <laughs> like, like, this is someone that I've just met. Like, come on, like, relax. Um, but I was like, bro, are you doing anything this evening? And that's when he said, yeah, I'm just eating some cake. And I was like, why are you eating some cake? And he said, oh, it's because it's my birthday. Honestly. And then, like, I was just so humbled because I was like, you know, Jesus, you intimately know a person and you know their need. You know their need for community. You know their need for friendship, especially on this particular day. And like, I feel so privileged that you'll send me a believer to go and connect with this person. And eventually, we, um, some of my friends and I, we all came around and we had some of his cake. <laughs> and we just hung out. And we became really good friends. And he even came back to mine um, afterwards. And um, he came back to mine for Christmas. And he spent time with my family and everything. And, you know, he really became part of the family. And he met so many people as well. And he, and he became part of my wilder world. But what was so crazy is that I was so close to just being indifferent. That close to just ignoring the impression that I had. Or just thinking he was any other person. And the reason why I share this particular uh, message um, on the second night of Imprint Church, most people will think that I should share something more lighthearted, you know, something more jolly and happy. But the reality is, is my prayer is that we as a church will be a group of people that will not just put people in the margins, that will not just say we're not going to interact with these group of people, but just like Jesus, 
There'll be no race, there'll be no class, there'll be no polit political stance, there'll be no religion that we feel like we can't connect to that particular person. Amen. So on that note, I would like us to stand up. And I just want you to close your eyes. And I want you to just ask Holy Spirit, which person am I putting in the margin? Or which group of people am I putting in the margin? And Holy Spirit, we just ask you right now to give us your love for those people in the name of Jesus. Give us your love right now. Give us your perspective for those individuals. Give us a new perspective of who they are in the name of Jesus. I pray that you'll give us a heart to stop for the one. And I just feel like there's someone here, um, the people who you've put in your margin is actually your family. And you just feel like, yeah, my family does not understand me. They're so annoying. Maybe at one point you've even said that you've hated your family. And I just feel like the Lord is just urging you to forgive your family. And I just feel like there's a few people, and even though we've spoken about margin people, you yourself, you feel like you're in the margin, that people have labeled you a margin person, and they're just indifferent towards you, but it hurts you. And even with, with popular culture, people have pushed you into the margin to try to discredit you. But I just heard for a person in particular that the Lord just wants to redeem your name. And for those people who, if you feel like, yep, people have um, put me in the margins and you just want to get rid of that um, bitterness and just, just get rid of that anger and you want to partner with God to redeem your name, then I want you to come to the side and then someone's going to pray for you. So we're going to have a time of worship, but at any time, just come to the side and someone will pray for you.